0: Hey, I want to ask you, uh, what is your passion level for Jesus right now? Like, how would you rate it? Like, if one is really cold and ten is, you're just overflowing with passion, where are you on a scale of one to ten? Now, if you're feeling a little lower than usual. I I hope that today's passage in the book of Luke will be helpful to you in in unlocking how to restore your passion for Jesus Christ. Uh, If you would, would you get a Bible, uh, whether you brought one with you or you brought a kid's Bible or you brought uh, your phone, uh, open up to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 this morning. Uh, If you are using your Renovation Church app, you just tap Outdoor Services and Weekly Verses. You know, even though today's passage is going to feel quite a bit different than uh, last week, uh, today's is a story of something that actually happened. Uh, last week was a parable, uh, their theme is quite similar. So we're Luke chapter 17, and we're going to be starting on verse 11 this week. OK, here's what it says. It says, "Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, "Jesus!" "'Master, have pity on us.' When he saw them, he said, "'Go, show yourselves to the priest.' And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, "'Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner?' Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Or really, maybe a lot of the translations say, your faith has saved you. And so, Jesus heals ten people of leprosy. Now, leprosy it was a debilitating skin disease, so much so that in those days, it was basically a death sentence. You had to stay... Outside, I don't know if you noticed where uh, it it said that they stood at a distance. They were socially distancing uh, before it was um, really cool to do. Anyway, so you had to stay outside the city because you were so contagious. You had to stay out in a leper colony. It was one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. And yet Jesus heals them. And the only one of the 10 comes back to say, thank you. So let's take a look at the other uh, nine lepers. Now, they obviously have some understanding of Jesus's power, right? Because they call him, they say, Jesus, master. They know what he can do. They even seem to have some sort of measure of faith. Now, if you read the story carefully, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't actually heal them on the spot. He tells them to go and see the priest, right? Because according to Old Testament law, Uh, people with skin disease had to be examined by a priest. They actually couldn't re-enter regular life and society until the priest said that they were cleansed. Now, notice that the lepers aren't actually healed until they actually step out in faith and start making the journey to town. So what does it say? It says, as they went, they were healed. And so their faith was actually proven by their actions. And this is always true. Like, we don't say that Noah had faith because he wrote a paper on it. Or he blogged about what God was going to do in the future. No, Noah had faith because he built a boat in the middle of the desert, right? His faith was proven by his actions. So there clearly are some good things about the nine other leopards. Like the lepers, not, they were not leopards. Uh, there was a slip of the tongue right there. Uh, they did have maybe some spots. This is not appropriate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they were lepers. Um, sure, they believe, right? Yes, they're glad that they're healed. But their priorities are proven by the way in which they run. And which way do they run? Where do they run? Well, they run toward town. They went toward their family, toward their old careers, toward even religious life, to the priests, to the synagogue. They got what they wanted from Jesus, and they basically said, thanks, Lord, I, I, I got it from here. Because what they really wanted was to improve their life. They wanted to not have leprosy anymore. They wanted that even more than they wanted to know the Son of God, who was right in their midst. Their priorities are proven by the way in which they've run, and so are ours. In fact, let me ask you a really difficult question. What if you had to pick between two options? And and sometimes we do have to make this choice. But what if you had to pick? Would you rather have option A or option B? Option A is this, that in your life, you will know Jesus so deeply, so well, but you will have a difficult life. Your life will maybe be full of uh, health problems and poverty, but you know Jesus so well. Or option B is... Is all of your prayers, almost all of them for worldly success and health and happiness are answered. I mean, you just got this really looks like blessed life, but you barely know Jesus. You know him, but it just sort of scratches the surface of knowing him. Which of those do you, would you like? Option A or option B? Be honest. Because for the nine lepers, it's rather obvious, right? They wanted worldly happiness more than they wanted Jesus. They ran right toward Jesus and they never looked back. After they got healed, they didn't see much of a need for being with Jesus. Is that you? Is that perhaps how you see your own salvation? But the one leper who came back, he was different, right? Like he's, he starts walking back to town with the rest of them he's walking in faith, he's going to go see the priest and all of a sudden he notices that his skin is changing, right? he's getting healed and his, his step is getting stronger things are changing and then the others, what's happening to them too they, right? they pick up speed and they start running toward the town this leper is different, he recognizes that God's presence isn't really with the priest in town, it's with the high priest, Jesus back there. And it's not like he sits down and writes out his priorities on some sort of pros and cons chart. No, it's just his heart is so overflowing with gratitude. And this is gratitude that pushes him to run back toward Jesus. I just think the imagery of the passage is so vivid at this point, right? This is not like your typical Minnesotan, Baptist at this point, right? It's not like he runs back to Jesus or walks back nicely to Jesus and says, uh, excuse me, uh, Jesus, uh, I just, uh, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to bother you, but I just want to, I just want to, um, see if I could extend my hand, uh, shake your hand. I just want to tell you that I appreciate what you did. Uh, again, sorry to bother you and, and, and have a great day. Now, what does it say? Look at it. If you still have it in front of you, verse 15 and 16. It says, he came back praising God with a loud voice. How many of you even sing with a loud voice, right? Some of us, we didn't even open our mouths this morning, right? He he came back praising. He's thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then what does it say? And then he extended his hand. No, look at it. It says, he threw himself. I mean, the man launched himself. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus. He's so full of gratitude that the weight of gratitude has caused him to fall at the feet of Jesus. Are you full of gratitude for Jesus? Because gratitude, real gratitude, is heavy. It'll always drop you to your knees. So, so the question you've got to ask is, why is this one man so full of gratitude when the other nine are not? And I think it's this. This man understood his complete inability to save himself he understood just how hopeless his situation was right in those days there's no curing leprosy right there's not even any treatments he's just living out his days in sickness and isolation until he dies there was nothing there was literally nothing he could do about it and yet jesus in his mercy changes everything for this man and the man's so overwhelmed with gratitude it causes him to worship. I mean, I want you to think about this. Could you imagine being this man? Through no fault of your own, you've contracted leprosy. Your career is over. You're never going to be able to hug your children again. Are you never going to be able to kiss your spouse again? And you're going to be off in quarantine outside of town the rest of your life. How hopeless, how utterly hopeless. But here's what you cannot miss from this passage today. If you've just zoned out for the last two minutes, don't miss this. You can't miss this from this text. Your situation is worse than this man. Because you didn't just have the disease of leprosy, you have the disease of sin. And the Bible says you are dead in your sins. In fact, it's a condition that you've had since birth. And sin will not only ruin your life, the effects of it are worse than fatal. They are eternal. Sin will cause some to be separated from their families cast off in isolation and torment and not in a leper colony away from their families but in hell well many of their family members are in heaven for all of eternity your situation without jesus christ was hopeless no matter what you tried to do on your own right you could you could try and know everything about religion you could try and be a really 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 good person you cannot save yourself and then along came jesus in your life And you saw Jesus and you got an idea of how much he loved you and that he died for you. And at some point in your life, you called out to Jesus and you said, Jesus, master. And he came in and he saved you through your faith in him that you believe he died on the cross. And he adopted you into his family and he washed away the penalty of your sin and he prepared a place for you in heaven. But here's what happens. Far too many, far too many of us once we sort of get past our initial delight in our salvation, then we just run to town. And we focus again on our careers, on our family, and on our worldly pleasures. I mean, sure, yeah, we still do some of these religious things, right? We go see the priest, the pastor in your case, right? And we, we come to church and we say we're thankful and we read the Bible. and But maybe lately you've been reading the Bible kind of more out of guilt than pleasure. And we lack this passion, for Jesus that so many of us had at the beginning. And we certainly don't feel like this weight of gratitude that it would drop us to our knees. We're like children who eat their fill of food after dinner, but then run outside to play without ever saying thanks. Now why is that? It's because we haven't thought hard enough about our past condition and what Jesus really saved us from. And we, I think we each kind of gloss over this in different sorts of ways. You know, some of us, I think we don't think hard enough about what our eternal destiny might have been. And so the sheer scope of what Jesus has saved you from has never actually hit home. It would be like, imagine you're up on a cliff, right? And let's just say this cliff is a thousand feet high. And you're up on the edge of the cliff and you're looking over and you begin to sort of fall off like this. And all of a sudden the person behind you grabs you and pulls you back. And they they look at you and they say, wow, boy, I just, I saved you from death. And what if you look back at them and you said, ah, no, it was nothing. I would have been fine. I just say, I would have been fine. Some of us have done that with our Christian faith, right? If you're not thankful, if that person in that scenario is not thankful for someone saving them from falling off a cliff, it's because they didn't accurately perceive just how much they've been saved from. And it's so similar for so many of us in our Christian walk. others of us, I think we lack passion. We lack gratitude in our faith because we think deep down inside that we deserve some of the credit, right? My my guess is as those nine lepers were sort of walking to town, that they were sort of beginning to praise themselves. And they looked at each other and they said, you know what? It was really smart that we picked that spot. Like we figured out where Jesus was coming and we were there. That was really smart. And you know what? When we yelled, I think that was really good because if we just would have said something, I don't think he would have hurt us. And, and when you said master, that was good. If we just would have said Jesus, I don't think it really would have worked, but we said master and, you know, that was really good on our part. See, so there's no need to turn back and run to Jesus if they deserve the credit for it. And I just think we do the same thing. By the way, this, I think this is a really unique challenge for those of you who grew up in the church. Right? You, you, you had great Christian parents. You've been in the church kind of your whole life. you know. In your life, which is often without this sort of defining moment of salvation, and many of you grew up in homes where maybe morals were more of the focus than a relationship with Jesus. And it becomes easy for you to kind of look out at the rest of society who you've always sort of looked at as different and think that you're better than them. And you've sort of given yourself some praise for your walk with Jesus. And you forget that you... We're just as hopeless to be saved as everybody else. And yet Jesus had mercy on you. See, the more you give yourself credit for your spiritual life, the less gratitude you will have. You're never going to have passion for Jesus when you're patting yourself on the back for finding and following him. And so where are you? I mean, I think that's the question when you read this passage. Are you more like the leper who came back? are you more like the other nine? And what do you truly want? Do you want a good life? Or do you really want to know Jesus deeply? Which of those do you want more? If you're unsure about that question, I want you to think about the content of your prayers. What do you pray about? If you trace the vast majority of your prayers back to their roots, what you will find for so many of us is self-interest. Ultimately, what do we want? We want better circumstances. We want less fear. We want more happiness. We want less anxiety. Now, God tells you to pray about absolutely everything, so you just keep praying about everything. But I want you to think about this. Even though so many of our forward-looking prayers, that's the prayers where you're praying about your future, which is what most of us pray about 98% of the time. Our forward-looking prayers so often are mixed with selfishness. But your backwards-looking prayers rarely ever are mixed with selfishness. When you look back in prayer and you say, thank you, God, that you did this. Thank you, Jesus, that you would die for a sinner like me. Thank you that you would bring me into your family. There's no selfishness in that sort of prayer. And so if you're not used to praying backwards and if you really look at your prayer, and you're like, I'm always praying forward to the future. I want you to start praying backwards more often this week. And thanking God for what he's done. Praising him. Because if you're always praying forward to the future, what's going to happen is you're going to be like the other nine lepers. And your mind is just going to run right to town, to your career, to your family, and everything else you're trying to figure out in your life. But if you begin to train yourselves to pray backwards, you'll find your heart running to Jesus again. And that begins to fill you with the passion that we're talking about. All right, let me pray. Jesus, uh, we just asked for more passion. We want to know you. We want to know you deeply. We want you to just infiltrate and saturate our hearts, God. God, as we pray this week, may you take our minds backwards instead of just looking forward. Lord, we just thank you that even though we were so hopeless, dead in our sins, that you just loved us so much that you died for us. And we just want to worship you now and just give you our heart.